0: Welcome to episode 11 of the Developer Hangouts podcast. Today, we have Francis on. Francis, why don't you just go introduce yourself, tell people what you do, and then we'll start hanging out.
1: Sure, yeah, thanks, James. Uh, My name's Francis. Uh, I have a YouTube channel uh, that goes by Franchise923 where I talk about programming and tutorials, uh, things like that. Um, So I am a full-time developer. I work at a company uh, called Esri. I'm a geospatial developer there. Uh, A lot of the work I do involves working with AWS and AWS services. So I can't get into a a bunch of detail about what exactly I'm doing, but it's a lot of processing uh, notifications from S3 buckets and SQS queues and basically writing Python uh, scripts that can handle and ingest certain types of data and, you know, insert things into databases and stuff like that. Um, So that's pretty much what I do on a day-to-day basis, just work on those types of scripts. Um, Also, I deploy... Our footprint, like our software footprint, into different environments. So I'm kind of involved in the DevOps side of things as well, uh, which is kind of new to me at this job. Um, so, you know, I'm actually learning. You know, once you actually develop your your, your uh, software, how does that actually go, you know, out into the wild and get deployed into Ops or Prod? Um, so yeah, that's pretty much what I do. Um, very interested in tech and Python and programming stuff like that.
0: So how did you get into to, to being, like, I understand you can't get too much into your role, but like, how did you end up where you are? Like, did you go to college and then like, that was, you know, how you proceeded or like me, were you self-taught? Like, how did, how did you end up in the yeah, industry? Good.
1: That's a good question. I would consider myself uh, self-taught for the most part. Uh, so I studied environmental science in college um, and prior to college, I was always interested in programming and mostly with web development, like I had a a little website, pretty much just like static website with HTML and JavaScript back in high school. Uh, And then I sort of, you know, didn't really study that in college. But then there was one class called GIS, which is geographic information systems that I took in college as part of environmental science, uh, the curriculum. And that basically introduced me to this software called ArcGIS, which is a software that Esri makes and their preferred scripting language was Python. So in college, I was getting a little exposed to very basic stuff with Python. Um, and then out of college, I wasn't really sure how to get my first job. Um, I was trying to find like environmental related jobs. And then also I was like latching on to this GIS uh, knowledge that I knew, because I knew like that was a very technical skill and I could use it to help me get hired. Um, so I kind of targeted a lot of GIS jobs and I uh, fortunately found one. Uh, there's a lot these days it's a kind of a growing field um, and then, yeah so at that point I wasn't even a developer I was just called a geospatial technician uh, basically just working with the software that Hedger makes um, and from there I started automating uh, some of my simple workplaces. and you know switched jobs a few times and got a developer role um, but then eventually it was it was a it was like a five four or five year process but
0: yeah that sounds sort of kind of similar to 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 my beginnings I guess I guess you can call it beginnings right I went to college originally to be a teacher that was my thing I was like I'm gonna be a teacher that sounds amazing then I came to America and then I was like holy oh god you don't pay your teachers anything why would I want to do this as a job like they're always out of pocket buying their own supplies or whatever um so I ended up dropping out of college and ended up working in a tech space for a company as the, like a support engineer like as a support agent or a support whatever you want to call them uh for a few years and I moved around in that department went from you know like basic support to like really high technical support to like the top tier and then I just happened to get my big break in in development and that, that the rest is history like you know, it's been twelve years now, and I'm not stopping now. So, uh, yeah, I've definitely been tech focused pretty much my whole life. Like, I went to a tech school, which was not really a thing in the '90s, but that—that that was what I did. And uh, yeah, I can't—I couldn't, couldn't, don't think I could do another job now. Like, mm-hmm. if someone was like, "Hey, do you want to change your careers?" like out of development, I don't know what I would do. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd be lost. That's for sure. Um, so can you talk a bit more like, now? I'm super intrigued. I've never heard of GIS before. Like, it's not really a field that I have much knowledge of at all. Can you kind of like what, in what scenarios would people be in that GIS space? Like what, what, what kind of like industries and, and kind of things yeah. like that? Do? Um,
1: it's, you know, a lot of different industries, uh, from oil and gas to defense to environmental conservatives uh, conservation, things like that. Uh, a good example I like to use when people ask like, what GIS is, I don't know if you've seen like the COVID dashboards. Uh, yeah. how many, that's a great example of GIS. So GIS mm-hmm. stands for Geographic Information Systems and it's basically taking regular data, some sort of tabular data like any type of JSON, uh, CSV and, and basically attaching some sort of spatial component to it. And what I mean by spatial is latitude, longitude, like position right. data. And once you have that extra bit of data about your data uh, you can start to plot it on maps and, and visualize and start to see trends and patterns about things and, and the the covid uh, tracker is a great example you can just see you know how many patients there were in a specific area so it's kind of combining geography with data
0: oh interesting yeah yeah i i've always wondered if that was you know that that kind of space like how how, how do people decide to get into that kind of space or like how, how does that come about but it's good to know that. Like GIS is involved in pretty much. It, it sounds like you could pretty much pick an industry out of a hat, and you could use GIS in some in some nature. Oh yeah,
1: yeah. They're a huge presence in the government. They do a lot of, uh, you know, the forestry uh, industry uses it, agriculture. Uh, they also have a lot of work in like in emergency response. Um, so any, like the wildfires that are currently going on, they have you know they're collecting data for all that kind of stuff and publishing it on maps. Um, they have like real time dashboards so uh, people can get informed quickly uh, they have apps that you can um, basically you know if you have like a handheld device and you're trying to collect some pieces of information you can collect it like on your phone or iPad and it gets you know published uh really quickly wow awesome yeah Yeah. there's a lot to it it's pretty intense
0: yeah, yeah it's, it sounds it sounds like something I'll I'll have to research probably after after the show so that I can be a bit more informed I've never really Investigate that space. Um, so let let's let's talk about some personal sort of highlights. Recently, you moved cross country, right? Like you moved from where you were to to yep. California. Is that right? Th- that direction, yeah. right? So let me start with uh, where were you living before, and then why did you end up moving?
1: Sure. Uh, yeah. So I was in in Northern Virginia, uh, around Fairfax, Virginia, which is okay. basically outside DC. Um, And I was working there at the same company and I was working pretty much remotely all the time. So I figured this would be a probably a good time just to transfer to California because their headquarters is actually in in Southern California. So, Hmm. uh, you know, that's what I decided to do. And it's it's not a permanent thing. Uh, We're just trying it out for a year or two. We just want to kind of experience California, what it has to offer, uh, do some traveling, you know, go to the, you know. So, yeah we have all the intentions to move back to the East coast. Um, but yeah, we're here for about a year or
0: two. Awesome. Yeah. I, so I live in North Carolina now, so I'm like right, you know, kind of close to Virginia, Fairfax area. Mm -hmm. Like I'm, I'm in Raleigh. Um, we kind of did that as an experiment. We were like, Hey, we've always wanted to live somewhere else. We lived in Connecticut at the time and we, we kind of did the same thing and, uh, we haven't gone back. So, Word of warning: You may never go back. <laughs> really
1: keep saying that. Yeah, we'll see. Whatever.
0: Yeah. So while you did that that cross country trip, you actually spent your time. You actually recorded the trip, right? Like on a dash cam,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, which you can find on YouTube. I'll put a link in the description of the video and in the show notes. But what was the intention behind that? Because I watched like I don't know. I must have watched twenty, thirty minutes <laughs> of it. And I was just like, this is this is neat. Like I like mm-hmm. dash cam videos. Um, yeah, what was the intention behind that? Did you have like a specific reason or was it just like this would be cool?
1: Well, I was sort of in the market for a new dash cam. I had like cheap ones from Amazon, like twenty five dollar ones. Um I've had those since I was in like college. Um, so I was researching what a cool dash cam might be and, and I didn't even realize that Garmin made dash cams and Dar- Garmin's uh you know known for their GPS yep. data and you know, stuff like that. So I looked into it and turned out that this dash cam recorded your gps coordinates and it's actually embedded in the mp4 file that gets generated for um the video and so i thought that would be awesome so i was like you know i'll get this high quality garmin camera i'll also make a youtube video about um, you know how i can extract the coordinates from the mp4 i haven't made that video yet but i, I plan to um, and also yeah i knew i wanted to make like a cool like road trip video that, that spanned the entire road trip i just thought that was really
0: cool yeah i mean it's definitely something different right like um being in the content creation space usually we stick we stick to to what we do right like you're in that sort of python space and and that's kind of the videos you make and you make a lot of like i've seen some like raspberry pi and and some of your home lab stuff that you do a bunch of stuff like that and like for me i do a jam stack but it's nice to do like something different just yeah once in a while yeah, I was
1: a little hesitant to put that on on this particular channel just because I wasn't sure how the, the audience would react. That's why I was trying to cling on to like some sort of GIS Python thing with it. Um, so there is a little GIS related to it, and that's why you know I was comfortable posting on this channel. Right. Um, but you know, I, I've seen other YouTubers post totally different content on their channel, so I, I really I don't know what the right answer is if you should possibly create a second channel or or stick with one and you know gather all your fans in, in one. channel
0: so i i can tell you i'm struggling with that right now so this podcast originally lived on my main channel um and i I just removed it out of the main channel made its own youtube channel and then it's uh, because i was a bit concerned about diluting my tutorials with uh something that people may or may not be interested in right like this podcast has a pretty niche following right now and I didn't want to like force it down people's throats on my own channel, so I made it a separate channel. But like I've done other videos, like I did a day in the life video, and I've, I've done stuff like that where they've done reasonably well, where people have really enjoyed those videos because it's something else or it's still related to tech, but in a different way, right? It's a different form of media, and and I I think it you know if you can relate it back to the work that you do. Then I think the following will will enjoy it regardless. At least in my opinion, I might be wrong. I'm not exactly the biggest YouTuber out there, but you know, I think I think if you can relate it back, and I'll be intrigued to see the video when it comes for the for the like how you did the whole G A S part of of your trip. Because um, I thought that was that was super cool. Like, what an interesting um, sort of added extra i guess like added piece to the road trip is like showing like hey yeah we started in this like washington area and we're all the way down sort of in the you know the redlands area of california like that's 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 super cool to see that on a map and be like okay this is the exact like like you took a pretty direct route you didn't like deviate or go anywhere like it's like you just see only
1: time for that I'm yeah sure. yeah exactly took us, you just see... it took us a while but...
0: yeah you just see this like giant line that sort of like spans across all of these different states and it's just cool to see to see that like all plotted out on a on a map and yeah, yeah. it was super cool to see.
1: Yeah, thank you. Um you know normally it should have been easier than it was to, to make that um, software that kind of handles this but it it wasn't working on my Mac. So I had to take the manual route and do it that way, which it was fun. Like I had fun doing it, uh, but there were some pieces that were harder than it should have been. Uh, like the syncing between the video and the actual little map of the, um, like since I'm in GIF, I wanted to get that dead on, like very right. accurate. I didn't want any drift because like a problem was like, if we had stopped somewhere to get like uh, food and we turned the car off, um, you know, the timing was drifting off, if that makes sense. Like the syncing yep. between the, the map. So, there was some uh, work involved there, but it was all all within all fun.
0: It, sound, it sounds like a, like, if that's something that you're passionate about, like doing those things are super, just, it's just so much fun. And it doesn't matter like how long time, how long the project takes, but like at the end, you're just like, yeah, this was totally worth like my extra time away from whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, super, super cool. And I'll make sure, like I said, I'll drop everything in the show notes. There's a cool map there that you can see every single like point on the map, and then the video that goes along with it. It's it's definitely intriguing and and, and something that um I haven't really seen before. So that was awesome. Um, I really want to dig into this home lab that you have. So yeah, let's, home let's, labs are
1: awesome.
0: yeah, so let's talk about home lab first. Can you tell people what a home lab is? For people that don't know what it yeah. is, and then we'll dig into what you have and, mm-hmm. and how that works.
1: Yeah, so I was introduced to Home Labs uh, maybe like a year or two ago, and basically what a Home Lab is, it's any sort of computer or server that you can come up with that you can install software on. So there's a, a huge subreddit on Reddit called Home Labs, yep. and it's a bunch of people just talking about um, working with computers. And, and usually, like the spirit of Home Labs is you find some cheap old equipment and just you know, Frankenstein something together, and it's really for experience and learning and teaching yourself how all this stuff works. Um, so, you know, you can be a home labber with a Raspberry Pi, or you can be a home labber with a, a broken laptop that doesn't have a screen anymore, but you still, you know, you can install software on it and do do cool things. Like the point is, you want to learn how to, how you can host software, do whatever you want, really.
0: Cool. Uh, so you have a home lab in your. In your house, right? Which is yep. the Dell right, R, right R- there. and and that's the R seven twenty like server. You have a an actual server rack, right?
1: Yeah, I so yeah, it's, it's a rack mounted server, but it's not mounted on a rack, right? It's just literally sitting on this table over here.
0: Yeah, it's close enough to a server rack, but right? Yeah,
1: it's it's like you know that big. It's what you think of a server being like right. in the
0: movies nice and long and and pretty deep and you just kind of Mm -hmm. it's kind of flat and you slide them in when you rack them if you've never been in a server room that's what they look like um so what do you do on yours like what what are you using on your home lab um yeah give us give us a download i'm super intrigued sure
1: Sure. so the first thing i have is a hypervisor which hypervisor is a way you can virtualize different machines um so i have an open source hypervisor called box you might have heard of VMware's DSXI. This is sort of just an open source version of that. And what that allows me to do is basically I can launch multiple instances or servers within that. So that's what's installed on the actual computer. And then in the hypervisor, I have a bunch of different virtual machines. Um, one of them is called Plex. This is a, a media server. So it's running my movies, my home collection of movies and music and pictures and things like that. Um, also, I have, I have a, a NAS set up in there actually, so a network attached storage device uh, called Vault, and mm-hmm. it, it's similar to FreeNAS, but it, it's stored, it, it serves as, um, I call it my FRAN archives, it's basically a network location that I can store all my stuff on. Um, so that's something else, I have a reverse proxy set up, uh, Nginx reverse proxy, so I'm, I'm pulling with that a little bit. So what that basically allows me to do is um, have like a domain name that I can hit and then I can slap put the context on it is how some people refer to basically like if you go to franpongiano.com slash server one and it's going to redirect you to uh, that particular server whatever is running on that server um so i've been toying with um this thing called open drone map so that's another server i have running that basically is a free open source software that you can process drone imagery on Mm. Um, so that's up and running i have some kubernetes Clusters running, like three Kubernetes. I was just, I don't know much about Kubernetes, but I, I set up a cluster. And I actually have some YouTube videos about how to do that. Um, so that's on there. I have a, a few Ubuntu machines just for random stuff, testing. Yep. Uh, yeah. You know, whenever a new Ubuntu or new type of Linux, like Alpine, I was experimenting with stuff like that.
0: That's um, awesome.
1: Yeah. Anything there's else there's left? left? <laughs> I feel like there is more. I have like literally like fifteen virtual machines running, but I can't remember what they all do.
0: Right. So I I know what Plex is. Uh, I, I'm a big fan of Plex, and, and yeah, it sounds like to to be the equivalent of like having your own, almost like having at your own VPS, but without having to pay for a VPS. Like you buy you you can find like a yeah. used old server rack, um, or you know on relatively cheap set it up and then you could use it as your own sort of like hey yeah if you want to spin up a server of this particular you know server for an instance of something you could do that and then use that reverse proxy to to, to handle it if you needed a server to the outside um exactly. which i've kind of done with my raspberry pi so i have a raspberry pi which i haven't played a lot with but the idea it sounds like the idea is the same as like i've served like wordpress out for for like a YouTube video, like I've served it out to the world so that I could use it. Um, It sounds like similar kind of ideas where you can basically, a super powered Raspberry Pi is the best way to describe it. Um, Exactly, That's awesome. I've definitely heard of that subreddit before. I think an old colleague of mine also has a home lab that I used to work with. But I never really investigate. Like I was just like, "Oh, that sounds cool," and then just like left it alone. But it mm-hmm. definitely sounds like something I would be, yeah, definitely something I'd be interested in tinkering with. That's for sure.
1: Exactly, it's definitely for tinkers. And, and some people on the home lab they go crazy with it. Like they have intense setup, like oh, over, ridiculously over the top setups. But yeah, I mean, you, you can find the cool thing is you can find these enterprise grade servers. Like this probably in its heyday, like when it was first being sold, was probably. Ten twenty thousand dollars, and now right. I got it for like two hundred dollars. So right, that's it, it's really high quality equipment. And like the thing is, since everything's moving to the cloud, a lot of um, companies are, are trying to get rid of this stuff, so you can find them a lot easier. I did remember one other thing. I have a, a VPN set up running on my server, so on my phone, for example, I can leave the house, go on my cellular data, and then VPN into um, this home network. If so you, if, if I yeah, if I were to go back to the East Coast, for example, and say, like, what is my IP address on my phone, it's going to tell, tell me it's California. Nice. I, I think that's cool. And I can access all my files remotely. And stuff
0: like that. Right. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Accessing your files from the outside is always nice, like when you can sort of tunnel in and, and do those kinds of things as well. That's super mm-hmm. awesome. So you recently bought an M1 Mac Mini, which I have many questions about. Um, mm-hmm. So first of all, how how, how do you like it? That's the question number one.
1: Yeah, I like it a lot. It's it's very clean. Uh, there are some things that are I'm still getting used to. I've decided not to use Safari. I tried it for like a week or two, and, and <laughs> I just I, I prefer Chrome. I'm sorry, I don't know why. Yep. But,
0: Me too. Um,
1: yeah, I don't have a Mac keyboard. I just have a standard keyboard. So some of the like command, you know, those things that are a little bit different. With the keyboard It's kind of clunky. Um, like cutting stuff is kind of difficult with a Mac. Like in Windows, you can just cut a file and paste it. Mm-hmm. You can't really do that easily in a Mac. I don't know why. There's a little like, oddities like that, but it's certainly uh, pretty
0: smooth. So you're using that for content creation too? Like, is that what you're doing? Like editing, if you need to edit stuff or or any of that kind of stuff? Is that all being done on that Mac Mini too?
1: Yeah, so my most recent videos have all been on the uh, Mac Mini. I've been using just iMovie, which comes right out of the box. That's how I made that uh, the road trip video. It, Almost crashed the Mac because uh, there were thousands of files trying to be put together. Uh, right. So yeah, it was working hard, but uh, it's it's been great. Um, what else do I, I mean? I don't really do much other than browse the web. Um, I, I remote desktop into a bunch of other machines, uh, and, and where I usually work with Windows, but it, it's um, I do like having the, uh, the terminal. That's really yeah. helpful. And, ssh machine without having used Buddy or something. Yeah,
0: so you came from Windows and went to this Mac Mini. Is that is that what happened? Or yeah, exactly. yeah, okay. So you did the switch. So I so daily I do the double switch, right? So my work machine is a MacBook Pro, but all my content and editing and everything I do is on a Windows machine, and so every day I have to remember the commands are different on both machines and I have to do that constantly so like if I start doing a YouTube video after work and I start my Windows machine and I'm trying to copy and paste with the command function that doesn't work ever and I'm just like why does the Windows bar keep opening up and all those kinds of things so I feel your pain and suffering uh except for I get to live it daily at least at some point you'll get past that point and you won't have to remember Windows commands as much um but yeah I can attest buying a keyboard that's built for a macbook uh, or a mac in general is like the best like outcome ever because everything's just where it's supposed to be and you don't have to worry um mm-hmm. but overall you you for the price because it's reasonably cheap considering the oh, yeah. like considering the, the what it has in it it's reasonably cheap from uh an apple product um you, you think it's worth the money because i'm thinking about yeah. like i in the future i want to move away from and just have mac everything um and the mini seems like a good option
1: yeah i i was in the market for a new computer uh because i was moving across country i needed to downsize. i have a full desktop tower which is like huge and, and that wasn't coming in the car because we just took one car so i had to really uh slim down what i was bringing and you know sure enough, the mac mini came out and it was using this new awesome m1 chip which is super hyped up and for good reason uh you know sips on energy and it's really powerful so just felt like it was a good time to finally jump into the Mac world, and yeah, I've been happy so far. I haven't really missed my Windows tower other than gaming. I haven't done any gaming in a while, but I've been pretty busy. I haven't had a chance really, even if I had my desktop.
0: here. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So like that—that's my thing too. Is that like people are like, oh, you miss gaming on your Windows machine, won't you? And I'm like, yeah, I don't have time for that. I—I <laughs> I can't remember the last game I fired up on my PC. Um. All my PS5, all my PS4, like anything I have in this house has barely been used because, yeah, I'm, I'm so busy with work and, and then content creation, making the podcast, everything else. I'm like, yeah, I don't have time for that. If I did yeah. have time for that, I might miss it, but not right now. <laughs> um, That's good to know. So that that that's the second person I've talked to about Mac Minis recently, and everyone seems to give it a pretty good review that like, yeah, it's powerful enough to do everything that we do and... Content editing seems reasonably good on it. Um, you know, I'm not using thousands of files at once. I'm probably using five Macs, and it should handle that no problem. And maybe, maybe that will be in the in the future budget. Um,
1: yeah, I mean, because most of my work doesn't get done on the Mac. I'm either remoting into some other computer where things are, worked. so it's really I don't need to do much on it.
0: Right. Exactly. And it. it and you know, being a Mac. Like the editing process, like that, they're kind of built for that for the most part. So, if if that's another main focus, at least you have have the ability. Um, I see you wanted to talk about SpaceX. Now I'm intrigued. Mm -hmm. Is there a reason you want to talk about SpaceX, like in general, or or is there something specific about SpaceX? So I brought that
1: up just because uh, recently this YouTuber called Everyday Astronaut. He's a huge YouTuber Mm -hmm. who talks about covers all the SpaceX launches he did like a, a really great three-part uh, interview with Elon Musk. And Elon Musk basically gave him a tour, behind-the-scenes tour of uh, the Starship facility in Texas. Mm-hmm. And it's like sort of like an unprecedented style of interview. Like they, no one has ever seen uh, this side of, uh, you know, this SpaceX so up close and how, how the day-to-day works. Uh, and yeah, I, a big fan of SpaceX and, and their mission and what they're trying to do. Uh, I was just excited about
0: that video. Um. I've always been sort of—I know Elon Musk gets quite a lot of hate these days. He's very, you know, as a CEO and owner of companies, he's probably not the best in the (laughs) sense that, like, someone might need to take his Twitter handle away occasionally, etc. But his overall thought process and his overall workings in general. As a entrepreneur, inventor, or like developer, and everything else that he does, he he's unprecedented in general. Like, there's mm-hmm. nobody that even remotely comes close to his thought process or anything that he wants to. Like, he puts his mind to something like, "Hey, I'm going to build an electric car," and everyone was like, "That's not going to happen." And I'm going to make it mainstream, and everyone was like, "That's not going to happen." Mm-hmm. And now what's the number one selling electric car? It's a Tesla. And, and when you think of an electric car, what's the first thing you think of? You think of a Tesla. And, you know, they may not be the prettiest or the, you know, sleekest looking cars, even though I really like Teslas and I think they're amazing and I want one in my garage. But okay. yeah, I'm so desperate to get one. Um, if I drove more, I'd probably already bought one, but I only drive like you know, to the gym and back. And that's about as far as I go because I mm-hmm. work from my office. But like, he really is... He really likes to push the envelope in, in a technology. And if a technology doesn't exist, he'll find a way to make that technology exist. Yeah. Like, even if you look at their Tesla battery, if you look at their battery systems and the way that their batteries are built, they're 10 or 20x better than any other leading electric car battery in in the world
1: Be- yeah I mean he, he definitely is just watching his videos they're inspiring like I've never seen someone work that hard i mean here is this billionaire who's who's putting in the hours like in 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 the part three of the interview it's late it's clearly like eight or nine p m and he's working at the at the starship facility um and one takeaway from that interview is like the sense of urgency that he has and that he instills with the SpaceX employees is crazy like it's it's just you know there's no hard deadline that they have to get to Mars by a certain date, but he's instilling this sense of urgency and it's apparent like in that interview it's like it almost looks like a war zone how like when they go to the facility, how many workers are there and how much stuff is going on with like, all this construction is happening, and it's like nine p m dark out it's It's really crazy to watch.
0: Yeah, he he definitely is determined to do all he he is very determined to 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 fulfill his his own personal goals. Like he's a billionaire, he could just be like, all right, I'm done. I'm just going to go live in my billionaire mansion with my, you know, kid and wife, girlfriend, whatever she is, I can't remember now. Uh yeah. and and you know, and then enjoy the lavish life, right? I could just you know, eat caviar and sip on champagne for the rest of my life. I'm never going to run out of money. Ever like that's never gonna happen. It's physically impossible unless he just you know gives it away and and even then he has to give it away at such a rate that the interest doesn't give it back to him. like he's the opposite of uh, of other billionaires, which is like, hey, I have this successful company, and I'm good like Aliexpress is an example, like their CEO is a billionaire, and that's it, like he doesn't really do anything else. Even Jeff Bezos, for a long time, his focus was Amazon, and that was it. Like, I'm going to make as much money as possible. I'm going to make Amazon a trillion-dollar company, and, and, and then that was it. But then once Elon Musk started pushing that envelope of like, yeah, I've started this cool car company after I sold PayPal to, you know, and I've done this, and I've done that, but now I also want to go to space, and I'm going to do it better than NASA. Yeah. And he clearly has done better than NASA in the, in this short period of time. He is very determined and being able to launch a spaceship and then land a spaceship. It was the first time I saw that happen. I was like, that is the most insane thing I have ever seen, which mm-hmm. is to launch a spaceship up and then land it perfectly where it's basically where it started.
1: Uh, and, and,
0: and who else is doing that? Nobody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it,
1: like I said before, it's super inspiring and like I just wonder if I was in like middle school or high school when this was happening, I would 100% want to do that as my job. Like I would want to be an engineer working at SpaceX.
0: Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I think my thought process of of what I wanted to be. I might still want to be a software engineer, but I'd have a very like I'd be like, "Cool, I got to focus on like math and science and and that so that I can do those kinds of roles." Um Cause yeah, I think it's incredible. Like what? What? Uh, just you know, I don't know. Just looking at other people in the space space race, and like you look at like Richard Branson, who basically just flew a an aeroplane and then flew a rocket just a bit further, just so he was in space. And then Jeff Bezos, the same thing, right? Like he he kind of went to space, but not. Re- I don't know it's very, it, it was technically space, but it's not, the, they're not doing the same things. They're more interested in like how can I make money from this? Because that's what they want to do, right? They want to make it some sort of touristic thing that rich people can do. Right. Versus Elon Musk who's trying to push the envelope of space exploration. Um, which I think is very admirable and yeah. I, I like Elon and I like his his visions. Um, yeah. And I, I hope for all the success in all the world for him. At least in the SpaceX world, mm-hmm. um, yeah.
1: And just one other thing, I'll point out: like for anyone that doesn't know what Starship is, and specifically what Starship is, that's the actual um, rocket that they plan to try to get to Mars. Like that's what right. the, the Starship mission is. They want to take to Mars. Uh, yeah. Whereas Falcon 9, that's basically the boosters that they use to take cargo to space.
0: Yeah. That's yeah, crazy. and and I'll 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 make sure to hit you up for that link for the for the video series. Uh, I'll throw that in the show notes too, because I think it would be uh, personally I, I'd like to watch it. Um, and then two, I think people will be interested to see like a, an in-depth interview with with Elon and and, and that that mission. Mm-hmm. Um, Definitely. So you're a big drones fan? Like you you have drones or yeah, would like but... to get, go into that a bit. Let, let's talk about drones. Because I don't have yeah. one but I've always wanted one and I just don't see like I, I feel like I'd have a hard time persuading my wife that it would be a good idea to buy one. Um, but yeah, uh, uh, let's talk. Let's talk drones.
1: Yeah, so as part of like what I do for work, I kind of work with uh, creating image products, and part of that workflow, you can do it with satellite imagery. You can also do it with drones. So DJI uh, makes a good drone. The DJI Phantom that yep. series is well suited for doing the kind of work that I was like trying to experiment with drone over an area, kind of like if you were mowing the grass and collecting imagery and then mosaic, mosaicing it together into one product. Um, So I wanted to experiment with that for possibly uh, a business idea to see if I could uh, do that. So I got a drone, a used drone, like a a year ago, like during quarantine um, and started experimenting with it. I actually got my Part 107 FAA drone pilot's license, which is required if you want to start a drone business. Um, and yeah, I haven't really done much with it since. Uh, it's, um, if you want to like make map products, like I was just talking about, you kind of need to be, uh, you have to have like a surveyor's license if you actually want to make claims that this map is. So the whole thing with these maps that, that I'm making, they're called they're geo-referenced, which means they can be used to make measurements from. Right. So if you're making that claim, you need to have some sort of surveyor's license. So that kind of swayed me away from doing that currently maybe i'll do it in the future but um also interested in like real estate photography just taking videos of properties uh, doing inspections like just inspecting people's roofs and, and like gutters uh, i think there's definitely potential there um but yeah i'm um, still learning i have i'm not the best pilot at all uh it's kind of tricky and where i was living in virginia you know since it's so close to dc the airspace can't fly anywhere really but i was gonna California, say
0: can... Yeah, I was gonna say, could you even fly out in that way? Because you're yeah, you're like not that far away from DC. Yeah, um, pretty much
1: no. <laughs> there are like yeah. a few select spots.
0: how's California, where you are in California? Is that more open? Like can you fly oh, more yeah. there? Yep.
1: And I, I awesome. plan to collect a lot more data and maybe make some YouTube videos <clears throat> about you know, the the mountains here are awesome, so I might just fly over mountains. Yeah. See what I can do.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I could see some cool videos there where like you can do some some sort of drone plus like plotting out those those areas and stuff that would be super cool to see. Yeah, but yeah I've always wondered like uh, whenever I see people learning to fly drones it seems very complicated because there's, you know, it, it it's not like uh RC cars or anything like that. It's very intricate. It's almost like flying a miniature helicopter mm-hmm. which you have to pay like if you don't know about helicopters they have to fly in particular wind speeds and, and they have to be treated pretty like carefully when you're flying them around and they take hours hundreds and thousands of hours to be good at it um is that kind of the same thing like you know with the amount of time that you spent with your drone you kind of feel like you need hundreds or or maybe even thousands of hours to be a, a proficient uh flyer
1: yeah like there's more actions you have to worry about, like the roll, pitch, and yaw. So you need to be able to control that with your remote control, and it's difficult to just to master. Like it's easy just to fly around like like this, like in a circle, and slowly go. But if you're trying to do anything that's kind of intricate, it can get pretty difficult pretty quick. Um, they do have automated settings for flying in, in like a circle around a house, for example. Like there's there's apps out there. I think one's called Drone Deploy, which I use. You basically plot what you're trying to do, like your point of interest and you can set like how high you want to fly. And it'll either circle around and take pictures at, at uh, you know, uh, a constant speed. Yep. Cause it's also hard to keep a constant speed if you're manually doing it, but, um, uh, or it can just record video, take pictures, whatever. So That's I think cool. a lot of people do it automated like that
0: too, but I mean, I would too, I'd be yeah. like, yeah, automate that. I don't want to crash into one. I don't want to crash into somebody's house by accident while I'm trying to take photos. And yeah, I can imagine, Trying to keep that constant speed while doing any kind of surveying or any pitch taking is, it must be incredibly difficult and, mm-hmm. and, and really take some skill.
1: Yeah. But the imagery is amazing that you can get from drones uh, compared to like, uh, imagery from an airplane or even a satellite. It's, it doesn't match like the drones a lot better, but you know, you can't collect as big of an area. Right. Right.
0: you, you, you... It is similar to the idea of like, yeah, if you have, um, you know, like a, like a digital camera like you can zoom in pretty far and, and get a reasonably decent shot better than what you can on an iPhone, but with an iPhone, it's quicker. So it's the same idea, right? Like on an airplane, you can get, you can survey miles of land really quickly on, in a plane, but with a drone, you can get those really intricate detailed shots that you might need, um, that's cool, I've always wanted a drone. Maybe one day I'll buy a drone. Maybe I'll yeah. persuade my wife one day.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you're interested in like you know anything related to drones, I think you should get one and like there's so much data that gets logged from a drone, so you can just pull the s d. card off the drone, um plug it in, and they have all these log files, and you can process them. so you know it has the position, which is very g i s related It has the role that you all, and you can plot things whatever you want, you can plot the flight path. All that kind of thing Interesting.
0: Yeah, there's a lot. Uh, I,
1: I've been thinking of making videos about that too, but it's just a matter of time. I need to right. not not have a nine to five job, and then I can do all this.
0: <laughs> yeah, if we both didn't have nine to five jobs, we'd have a lot more time to make all the cool video I- yeah. ideas that we have a list of. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. Like, I have some really big ideas, but like, time is always the issue. It always has been. Um, mm-hmm. Even you know. Some listeners won't know how we met, but we met through the YouTube Developers Discord that we have, um, and yeah, it, that's always been the sentiment: is like the non full time YouTubers struggle to find the time to make enough content, and then once you turn full time, then you have that time to make those intricate courses or intricate videos that take a really long time, and um, yeah, it's good to it's good to to. Not be the only one that struggles with time, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's talk hiking. You're a big hiker or like you're just getting into hiking? Like what's the what's the deal with with hiking?
1: I would describe it as something I really enjoy doing when I have the time. I, I, I can't call myself like an avid hiker because I just don't do it enough. But if given a free weekend, I would prefer to go hiking. So uh, now that I'm out in California, I'm trying to make a much more conscious effort to to go hiking. Um, there's literally like, like ten thousand foot mountains within like twenty minutes of where I live right now. So, wow, I've hiked those a couple times. Th- haven't made it to the top yet. It's got to like eight thousand feet, but it, it's it's fun. So, yeah, I just like how it, um, you know, it it sort of gets you outside. You get that benefit, um, get the sun, fresh air, get to see nature, and it's also a workout. And it's it's a gentle workout, you know. Whereas sometimes weightlifting or even just running is hard on your joints and your knees it's yep. a nice hike up like a slowly inclined slope is great for your health um so yeah huge fan of hiking and so, also you can record this with uh your app like your strava i use strava you can record right. your hike with strava and you know you can interact with strava's api plot it on a web map and that's sort of some of the things i do with this, that data
0: yeah so i've been talking to my wife about getting into hiking myself just me personally but like i've always wanted to I've always been intrigued by hiking Um, and even more so recently. And I don't, I'm not quite sure where the appeal has come up, but like, I think it's probably because I've been in lockdown for forever and like, you know, being in lockdown for over a year basically. And now it looks like where I am may end up in a second lockdown. You know, it's that kind of thing. Um, And yeah, like, I think what I have two dogs and I think one of the dogs would really love to just go on a hike and walk. Um, and being a power lifter, so I power lift, like right. running is not an option. Mm-hmm. Like I don't, my joints could not take that on top of the strain of like, I already put pretty heavy weights on my back and squat them. Um, yeah. I, don't, I And so to me, like walking in general is very appealing or bike riding. Those two things are very appealing because you're right. Like it's super low impact. You still get to be outside. You still get to enjoy the fresh air. You also don't have to worry about like, oh yeah, I ran for like 20 minutes and now my joints are on fire and they're inflamed and it hurts. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so I'm investigating areas where we live, like what hiking trails they have. Because a lot of the the issue that I have is a lot of the hiking trails where we are are all like asphalt, um, which kind of to me feels like defeating the purpose of going on a hike like i'd rather be in nature like walking in you know dirt and gravel than walking yeah. on asphalt through some nice trees mm-hmm. um so i might have to venture out i might actually have to take a car and drive around and try and find some cool spots but i think yeah the dog and i would enjoy that quite quite a lot
1: cool so i'm interested in in your powerlifting. that's interesting um do you do you compete at all or
0: yeah i just do it for fun um i'm thinking that the end of this year i'll i'll hang up my powerlifting experience and move on to like conventional bodybuilding kind of stuff Mm -hmm. um yeah it was just something that really appealed to me like i wasn't really a big fan of like lifting weights for 12 or 20 reps and and you know and 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 then that being it So I sort of got into powerlifting a long time ago and then I gave it up and then I sort of got back into it immediately after lockdown and the gym that I went to opened. I was like, that's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to get into powerlifting. Um, And I just find it really, it's just super, for me, it's super satisfying and it doesn't take a huge amount of time. So like my average workout and I work out six days a week um and i program like really heavy reps three times a week and then the rest of the time it's like very light weight just to keep the blood flow um and it takes yeah an hour is the maximum but on most most of the time it's somewhere between 30 and 40 minutes and uh there's nothing more satisfying than pulling a really heavy weight and and being like this is amazing like doing a deadlift and pulling some you know three or four plates on each side and being like yeah. i weigh 170 pounds and I don't know many 170 pound people that can do the same thing that I can. Um, it doesn't really help in the real world though. Like, <laughs> you you know what I mean. Like, it's not going to help me if I need to move furniture. Like, I can pick it up, but only one time. Believe it
1: or not, I think it helps if you sit a lot. Like, I sit a lot because of my yeah, program work.
0: Yeah, me too. Being in
1: shape and being having strong back muscles, it's going to help prevent problems as you get older for sure.
0: Yeah, it definitely has helped with that too. Like, that was something I noticed during lockdown was because I wasn't working out at all anymore because there was nowhere to go and we didn't have any equipment and you couldn't buy any equipment anywhere that like my back was just wrecked every day after work. Mm -hmm. And now that I'm back and I'm back in training and have been since October or November, like I have no back pain. My back is always feels good. Doesn't matter if I've slept awkward or fallen asleep on the couch or whatever. Like I feel Like my back just feels good all the time. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, you get used to, and one thing that people don't tell you about powerlifting is that you get used to having scraped up shins a lot from deadlifting. Uh, (laughs) So I always know if I've had a good workout is when I get in the shower and then the water touches where I've scraped some skin off and and it stings a lot. So Mm -hmm. that's usually how I know if I've had a really good workout. But yeah, it's definitely something that, if anyone's interested in doing weightlifting in any general sense, I would advise trying powerlifting uh, and, and giving it like a 12 or 14 weeks and see how you feel afterwards. I think it's it does yeah, a really good I, job.
1: I would second that as well. I, I had a little stint with uh, athletics and weightlifting when I was like in college and high school and college, and I don't lift as much as I used to anymore, but I, I need to get back into it. Um, but yeah definitely just feel healthier it protects your muscles and, and helps you age more gracefully for sure and like powerlifting specifically i like the competitiveness of it like you actually have a goal you're trying to hit like you're trying to increase the, the numbers of these three lifts yep so that's like something you can shoot for whereas bodybuilding it's kind of just like what are you working towards like having a cool like to look at a shirt on it's like i'm more into i like the competitive powerlifting.
0: yeah sure. and then that's always been the, the thing for me so like when I first started, I was like, okay, I gotta hit the five hundred club like as soon as possible. Like I've had almost, you know, a year off basically. And like I, I wasn't training for powerlifting, so I don't know what these numbers are gonna be. And they were when I came back, they were absolutely terrible. And I was like, <laughs> Oh God, this is gonna take a long time. And you know, I hit the five hundred club within the first it was like the first twelve weeks. I was like, Oh sweet, I'm back in the five hundred club and now I've been shooting for the thousand pounds. Like nice. I wanna do it one time and then i'm and i'm done like after that i don't care anymore right so um i think i can hit it by the end of the year and then once i hit that like that will be when i go back to something else because i'm not going to compete competitively like i'm in my early 30s i i just don't see it as something that i want to invest my it's not worth getting hurt right exactly yeah i, I don't want to be like cool i have to miss work for six weeks because i've torn my bicep off or something you know like i don't want to be yep. that person so mm-hmm. i'm doing it for me and once i get to that that number that'll be when i move back into just conventional like regular bodybuilding stuff so yeah
1: that's like a good plan yeah um one other thing I, I used to do something called strongman i'm not sure if you've heard yep of it, but...
0: yep i know what strongman is yeah mm-hmm. that's
1: awesome i i like that i might even say i prefer that over powerlifting just because it's on like the activities you do and for anyone that doesn't know what strongman is it's just like a bunch of random exercises not exercises like they have all these objects like they have stuff like atlas stones are called um and just all these like log presses it's basically like a log that you're pressing it's just a little bit different than powerlifting uh,
0: yeah it takes the art of powerlifting to the next level is how i would describe it because yeah it's there's the competitive nature of like okay, yeah, do a log press, which if you don't know what that is at home, it's basically an overhead press, but with a log. Um, And then uh, with the Atlas stones, it's a race. So it's how fast you can pick up these five stones or three stones, depending on what you're competing in and how quickly can you put them up. And they start at like, you know, if you're doing real, like in competitive world, strongest man, which just finished. um, Yeah, it was, you know, you're talking like over a hundred kilos or more picking up a round object and trying to put it on a pedestal essentially is the idea. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I used to follow that as a kid. Um, and then when Eddie Hall became really popular and he won his first, like I remember him winning British strongest man and then winning the world. Like I remember that. And now the big resurgence with the Stoltman brothers who Tom Stoltman just won the strongest man this year and the um, mm-hmm. world's strongest man. And he's the first Scottish uh, person to ever win it. So, mm. yeah, super awesome. And he's also autistic. So it's like this whole crazy adventure that they, they're on. And I watch their YouTube pretty much religiously um, because, yeah, I'm into strongman. I think it's a a different take on powerlifting.
1: Yeah, it's almost kind of like um, powerlifting version of CrossFit, kind of. Yeah. Like they're doing events like that, and it's competitive, but it's with a lot heavier like there's emphasis on the weight of it
0: yeah exactly yeah you you're not going to see someone in crossfit try and deadlift you know 500 kilos um you know but yeah it's the idea of like wow these guys can pick up a whole car engine and and put it in this medley loader and things like yeah it's crazy i really love strongman and i think it's such a interesting yeah. way to to show um feats of strength
1: yeah i mean like people pull fire trucks and, and
0: yeah like and <laughs> casually and it's always <laughs> casually too right like you see them do it and you're like that i know that car weighs like <laughs> if it's a truck like a regular pickup truck it's like three or four thousand pounds and you're just like they're just casually walking up the hill and you're like okay if i did that i i wouldn't even like it wouldn't move i would fall down and and i'd that would be the end but yeah just absolute craziness um mm-hmm. super super cool sport um Cool. Let's just talk about, uh, you know, we're coming up to the hour mark. This is where I like to talk about top picks, um, which is like where you can talk about maybe shows or movies, video games or, you know, things you've bought recently, those kinds of things. Um, mm-hmm. Let's start with a movie. You saw the new Fast and Furious movie? Is that yes. right?
1: So that's like my um, guilty pleasure, I guess, with the Fast and Furious franchise. Like, I know it's kind of a silly film, but yeah, it's awesome. I always enjoy those when they come out. So yeah, that, it was way over the top, this most recent one, but it, it, was, it was a fun fun watch.
0: Yeah, so I'm a big, uh, okay, so I'll back up. I was a big Fast and Furious fan. Um, I loved the first three movies because they were about the car and the car industry and, and, and less about like driving tanks and flipping cars and all that stuff. Uh, my wife is a big Fast and Furious fan too. Um, we managed to get to, I think, number seven was the last one we saw. Mm. So uh, whenever Paul Walker died, that was mm-hmm. the last one we ever watched. We didn't. We haven't watched the, the. I think it's two more after he's gone, and then the 10th one's supposed to be the last one. Um, but yeah, I've heard mixed, mixed things. I've heard, l- like what you said, it's like super over the top, but worth a watch if you're into action movies, I guess, is probably the right term um yeah uh it's interesting that now john cena's there i guess like that's you know just add another crazy it it almost feels like the 80s again where Mm -hmm. you have all these action stars like sylvester stallone or van damme and like all those people all in movies again it kind of kind of feels in that like we're rolling back into that with the people that are in Fast and furious it feels that way i don't
1: mind it Uh, i feel like it's filling a void with it you know there aren't really any cool action movies these days that I can think of. Maybe I'm just getting old and I don't watch any movies anymore. <laughs> but you know there aren't many other cool action movies. That...
0: Yeah, I'd it's... agree with that. Like I think it's either Marvel movies, right? That's the yeah. version of action that people are used to now. Is like, hey, here's another hundred thousand Marvel movies in a row, Um yeah. or yeah, Fast and Furious. I, I think there there aren't much. It's like DC comic books, movies, Marvel movies, and then. The occasional random action movie and then the Fast and Furious fer- franchise, which turned into action movies. And I'm not hating on it. I'll, I'll end up watching them when it goes on like HBO or something and I'll end up watching it. But, um, yeah,
1: well, I forgot James Bond is coming out soon. The new James Bond, so yeah, excited yeah, for that
0: for sure. Me too. I'll be super excited for that. The problem with James Bond is they don't come out regularly enough to be like you know, like back when. The first twenty-five James Bond movies came out like they were pretty regular, but like these last few have been a bit. You know, COVID has kind of ruined the the one in between, but like it feels like it's it's always a long time in between movies. But yeah, yeah. I'm super excited. I love James Bond. I think they're amazing, and um, I bought my dad the first twenty-five for like a Christmas gift a few years ago because like he's yeah. a super big James Bond fan too. And
1: who's your favorite uh, actor?
0: Hmm. Ooh, i want it so the problem is i want to say pierce brosnan was my favorite but i think that was because i was that was when like he was in the movie theaters when i was a kid so those are the ones i saw for the first time right as a kid like um he kind of feels like my favorite and i think it's more than the nostalgia thing than anything even though i'd seen all the other ones it was just that that was the first one i ever saw on the big screen um I think Daniel Craig does a good job. To be fair, he's a very dark and gritty version of James Bond, which is different than the suave uh, womanizer that you know, with the occasional gunfight in the older movies that that James Bond was. So, what <laughs> about you? I like Sean He's the old school. Yeah, um, yeah, that would be my probably my second choice. He's yeah. suave and the old school James Bond that you know, he he did a really good job with. The movie franchise during his reign as James Bond.
1: Yeah, uh, uh, Pierce Brosnan's a good one. Uh, like you, I, I grew up with those movies, like the Golden Eye video yep. game. Yeah, and-
0: yeah, exactly. That, that that's probably more the, where the nostalgia comes from is playing Nintendo sixty four oh, yeah. with four friends, trying to you know playing tournaments for for hours and hours on end. Yeah,
1: with- I played all the like Asian Under Fire, Night mm-hmm. Fire. Played all those a lot.
0: And those yeah. are all problem. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's probably part of the reason why I think he's so good is because yeah, like playing those with friends was you know some of the best best times was the N64 tournaments where you you could just have some fun and enjoy yourself. And I think that was like the first ever like video game I'd ever seen like a movie franchise turn into a video game as like a kid like that wasn't like um you know et or whatever you know when we were super young but i think that was the first time like it was something really pretty realistic too like the models and stuff actually looks like the people because it was that generation that we were turning over where they could actually take photos of people and model them against them
1: yeah i think it was one of the first successful like 3d uh, yes first person shooters that had like split screen like four player as well yep
0: Yeah, and remember when you were playing that on a tiny like it wasn't like everyone had huge TVs back then. For any youth people watching, like we used to have to play on CRTs, which were really, really, really long in the back and then very, very (laughs) short. I remember playing that on like, you know, maybe a sixteen inch TV, maybe, and being like, This is the best thing ever, and you're like tiny little Mm. square on a screen. Um but yeah, there they were some serious good times.
1: Got to worry about screen peepers then too. Yeah,
0: because, right. That was a thing. Yeah. yeah. Even like, I remember like Halo when that was a, th- you know, when Halo became super popular and you could do the the split screen on that. And like people would come up with the most hilarious ways to, to try and stop screen peepers because it was really prevalent when Halo was a thing. Um, yeah. That was before kids, before the internet was a thing. That's you had to play like on the same couch, you couldn't play with your friends online.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's the one thing I'm very nostalgic about is like LAN parties. Like, I, mm-hmm. I, I really want to have a LAN party with some of my friends, but it's, it's very hard to set that up. But those were some of the best times I've had in like high school and middle school, Just, like, I, I, an Xbox LAN party or even PC, like, like Counter Strike, like that.
0: 100% agree. I remember going, you know lugging your own desktop computer to a friend's house so that you could all land up together and play counter-strike or or whatever together i remember all that and yeah i'm pretty nostalgic for that like lately i've been trying to get my wife into to video games a bit uh so we've been playing like the couch co-op games which has been really nice to like it kind of brings that nostalgic feeling of like ooh, i get to play like on a split screen together not quite the same but pretty close to that feeling of like oh yeah couch co-ops cool um but I wish I wish more companies would do more couch carp games. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. Um do you have anything that you may have bought recently? Uh I know you just moved, maybe there's something you bought recently that you could to be. Oh, to-
1: yeah. So I bought some new monitors. Uh, I have these nice new Acer twenty seven inch four K monitors. And I didn't do a ton of research about all the technicalities of four K, but these were relatively priced. They were like two eighty each from costco um i'm sure they're not like the the, uh 4k monitor apple recommends is like a thousand dollars
0: right of course i don't know
1: what the the technical difference is but this is fine for me this this suits my needs for for sure
0: i need to get 4k monitors i'm still running 1080ps um i keep thinking about upgrading and then i'm like i don't want to spend the money um make sure to send me a link i'd love to see what what you bought and uh at least a model number or something I'll, i'll check them out for sure
1: yeah, they were good huh. price on Costco, and the part of the reason I did because I, I didn't want to load the monitors across
0: country. But yeah. If if yeah, if I
1: didn't move, I would have still had thing.
0: Awesome. Um, yeah. I is wonder. there any? I was going to say that the that my next question would be: Is there any something you've eaten recently? Like now you've moved to California, is there any places you've checked out and had like a really good meal there, or or maybe something you've done since you've been in Cali that you're like, yeah, this was super fun, or.
1: Yeah, we've done a lot. We try to do it something like every weekend. So we've been to like uh, Laguna Beach, uh, Santa Monica. Um, we've been to Temecula, which is sort of Southern California's wine country. Yep. Uh, that was really cool. Um, what else have we done? Joshua Tree.
0: How was that? I had people that go to Joshua Tree have a good time.
1: Yeah, so we actually didn't go recently. I went... Before we actually moved out here, I went to Joshua Street, and we were thinking about going to Joshua Street, but it's like 100 degrees here, so we're going to wait
0: until it cools off, actually. Yeah, it's 100 degrees in North Carolina at the moment, so yeah, I'm... I'm humid. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, exactly, and like 100% humidity right now, so I am well and truly inside the house uh, <laughs> until, uh, until, <laughs> until the temperature drops a bit. Yeah. Uh, yeah that's awesome that you're checking out what what there is to offer you definitely make sure you definitely seem to be making sure that you use even if you're there for a year right you're going to make it a year of experiences versus just a year of like yeah we live in this house and now we're going to move back um, yeah. is the cost of living much more like from where you cause being close to DC i imagine the cost of living is quite high but
1: um yeah it's actually it's it's a little higher where we're living now for a slightly smaller uh uh like townhouse or where we're living now um yeah i don't know i don't know if there's any getting around that um just more expensive i guess
0: absolutely absolutely uh so yeah we're kind of coming to the end of the show now uh is there anything you want to plug plug away do you have a twitter account i know you have your youtube channel plug that too um or any any kind of projects you're working on pl- plug away yeah. go for I it guess I'll, I'll go ahead and
1: plug my youtube channel so it's franchise 923 it's f-r-a-n-c-h-y-z-e 923 and it's pronounced franchise not franchisee. and a lot of people think it's franchisey. <laughs> that's probably poor poor uh, on my part for how i spelled it but uh, so that's my youtube channel it's the same name uh, and I am involved kind of in a project called the new Boston. It's a cryptocurrency project by, um, a YouTuber called Bucky Roberts. And he yep. has a channel called the new Boston. Uh, I used to watch a ton of his videos when I was growing up, uh, not growing up, but when I was learning programming, uh, and that's sort of how I got into programming and stuff. Um, but yeah, I've done a little work on his, that project and I'm closely watching it because I, I think they have something special there. Um, I think that's it i don't really have
0: much else that's good enough for me we always like a good plug and yeah bucky it's good to see that bucky is back yeah, like after sure. taking his huge break it was nice to see him come back and kind of get involved again um yeah i think a lot of people grew maybe not grew up but like that was their first experience to like youtube tutorials for coding um so it's good to see him back back in the industry and uh, i hope the yeah like his his pet project in the crypto space does does well like yeah i'm keeping an eye on it too so hopefully something good comes of that Mm -hmm. um yeah so we're at the end of the show now um thanks for everybody that's listening at home people are watching it on youtube we appreciate it and uh yeah thanks for coming out and hanging hanging out with me i really appreciate it
1: yeah sure thanks james Uh, anytime this is a lot
0: of fun yeah absolutely and uh everyone at home until next time see ya